0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 10 of Get the Scarlet Job, where we interview recent college graduates and the coolest women we know about how they made their moves into the real world and landed their very first jobs. I'm Rosanna, your host for this week. Today, I am so excited to introduce you to Maya Landau. Maya graduated from the University of Chicago in 2017. In the months after the election, she decided to change paths from film to pursue teaching. Today she lives her 25th hour lifestyle to the fullest, working as a preschool teacher and getting her master's in education. Maya has lots of advice to share about finding the right mentors, not being afraid to change your path, and standing up for what you believe in. tell the people a little about yourself.
1: All right. Um, my name is Maya. I am currently a pre-kindergarten teacher in Washington, DC, and I graduated from the University of Chicago
0: in 2017. So yeah, that's me. Perfect. Um, all right. Let's start from the beginning. Uh, when you were a kid, did you think you wanted to be a teacher when you grew up? Um,
1: when I was a kid, I wanted to be all kinds of things. Um, I wanted to own my own nail salon for a period of time. I wanted to be a white rapper for a period of time. I, yeah, I've had all kinds of, I worked in an aquarium and wanted to be a marine biologist for a period of time. Um, I, you know, I think there's a time I would say that actually a lot of kind of kids in elementary school in part because teaching is the occupation that you were the most exposed to because you spend so much time with your teachers i think truthfully right in the elementary school years most people at some point write down on you know some sort of what do you want to be when you grow up that i want to be a teacher um and so i'm sure that i think there was phases of my life where i wanted to be a teacher but i don't know that when i was a kid i really was sure about what i wanted to do
0: at all truthfully yeah yeah that makes sense N- none of us do <laughs> um yeah that makes sense okay and then um so you talked about being uh working in an aquarium um did you like when you applied to college did you go in thinking you're a marine biologist and that's the move um
1: i mean i similarly right had i applied to a ton of colleges and had no uh, real kind of path that I was like, this is what I'm going to major in. This is the college I have to go to. Um, I applied to Bowdoin, which is one of the foremost places to study marine biology and thought about that, but ultimately decided that it was a little too small for me. I couldn't do the like small town Maine of it all. Um, And, you know, decided that I, right, I'm originally from Los Angeles. And so I'd kind of grown up in a big city and kind of getting Um, I really loved, I love the fact that in a city you can really kind of dabble in all kinds of things and you can eat every possible variety of food and go to the movies and go to, you know, museums and kind of art openings and just kind of, there's so much happening in a city. Um, and so I decided that I needed to be at a city school. Um, and ultimately, right. The, the irony of kind of me becoming a teacher later in life is right. I think that I, um, you know, throughout my life, I've very much loved learning, right? I loved school. There was never a time where I didn't love school. And I ended up at the University of Chicago because I was a person who was really passionate about learning and was like, I want to go to a school where other people are really excited about learning too. Um, and yeah, so that was kind of the, that was how the University of Chicago and then marine biology. Uh, I, the thing is I, I, I love marine biology and I really like ecology. I like the way things fit together, Um, but I don't really like science experiments. I was never really into creating a hypothesis and um, things like that and kind of coming up with a way to solve um, whatever question it was that you were posing. I've always been kind of more into putting the pieces together, which is why I think I ultimately ended up with the history major, um, because I had loved history in high school and, um, I took a history class my first year of college that I absolutely loved. Um, that was all about material history and about kind of studying historical artifacts and how they then kind of reflected, um, historical context. And I loved it and kind of never looked back. So, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Um, And then, okay, so you were a history major and then outside of school, um, were you like working in a professor's like lab or, um, what else did you do?
1: Yeah. Um, I did a hodgepodge of things. I would say I, you know, I started out, I was one of those people who picked up, you know, three activities, the start of college and then was like, yeah, I'm not really so into these. Um, and so the things that kind of stuck for me I was um I taught after school art classes um with an organization a fantastic organization called Art Should so I taught after school art classes in the kind of local Hyde Park um elementary schools um I volunteered with Doc Films right um largest student run film society in the country basically um, as a kind of ticket seller. And then as a show captain who introduces a show and basically makes sure that everyone, you know, is okay. The sound's okay. Everyone's on board. Um, and what else did I do? I, I kind of cycled through a variety of jobs in college. Um, I worked for a Jewish organization on campus for the first year. Um, basically as the, Uh, the position was kind of like a community. It was, it was, you were supposed to design a Jewish community and basically make it happen. Um, And so I, alongside a friend of mine, we worked together and we started like a a Saturday night monthly kind of dinner kind of thing where the proceeds from this dinner would go to a different um, philanthropic cause every week. And we'd cook um, actually in the kitchen of you church, which then became um, a restaurant later in my, or a cafe, I should say, later in my Chicago career. Um, but we used that space and I worked for kind of them. And then I worked for the, for all four years of college, I worked for the University of Chicago's admissions office as a tour guide. Um, so talking about, you know, all the things that I did in college and trying to kind of help people make a college choice, in part because I think my own college choice was very last minute, where I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? It's May you know, whatever the date is, April 30th, I need to pick a college. Um, and so I did that for four years. Um, I also kind of dabbled in, I worked for, there's a graduate student, uh, kind of thesis writing group whereby like, um, we babysat their kids in the family resource center on campus while they worked on their thesis for their dissertations for like three or four hours, um, on weekends, I also worked in the Oriental Institute, which was a museum of archaeology and Egyptology um, on the kind of U Chicago campus, and so I worked for them giving tours as well. And those were kind of educational tours, um, so those were predominantly with like elementary school groups. Um, and I think, oh, and then <laughs> yes, um, an endless supply of kind of jobs that I tried to finagle at the University of Chicago, um, but strung together. Um, Then my senior year, I actually worked for a fantastic organization that I loved um, working for, which was the Hyde Park Arts Center. And it was a local um, community art gallery and kind of art center that's on the kind of um, opposite side of of Hyde Park from the University of Chicago. But um, I worked for them basically in a rotating capacity, um, first in um, their kind of financial development department, then in um, social media, and then in... um, and marketing, media and marketing, um, and then in education. Uh, so yeah, many, many different jobs, um, throughout my kind of college career on campus.
0: Um, yeah. Definitely. No, I love the Hyde Park Art Center, um, and they have this cute little coffee shop right below. It's like three mm-hmm. blocks from my apartment, and I it is my favorite place to work during finals and all the time. It, oh, I'm obsessed. Um,
1: <laughs> yes, it's a fantastic organization that I continue for it wholeheartedly.
0: Yeah. Um, and so while you were working a million jobs, um, did you decide did you take summers off or did you also have jobs during the summer?
1: Um, definitely did not take summers off. I think, and part of it is I, I'm a person who likes to stay busy. Um, and so I think, one of the really great things about having worked so many jobs and throughout my kind of college career and, and continuing also, in addition to the jobs that I worked over summers, um, was that I kind of had a sense of what kind of work environments I liked and what kind of work environments I didn't like. Um, and what kind of worked for me in terms of various sort of things that I tried out. Um, my first summer out of college, I worked for a company called, um, I came back to Los Angeles and I worked for uh, a company called Kin Community, which is a YouTube network um, that, and I worked for them and one of their talent companies, which is called Pemberley Digital, um, which creates um, web series reinterpretations of classic novels, um, most famously for the Lizzie Bennet Diaries, which are based on Pride and Prejudice. Um, and that was a really fantastic experience. Um, and that was a very small scale kind of production um, sort of experiences. I guess what I would film production kind of experience is what I would categorize it as. Um, That's
0: fantastic. I watched every episode of <laughs> Lil Z Bennett Diaries when they came out. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, it's great. They were filming Emma as I was um, there. So that was fun. Or Emma approved, I should say. Right.
0: Yeah. No, I loved Emma approved. And Emma? did you see Sanderson?
1: Um, I have seen, yes, I have seen Sanditon and I have also, I was, when they shot, actually, they, they did a partnership with, um, PBS, um, Mm -hmm. where it was Frankenstein, but with a female Frankenstein. Um, so when they shot that actually in LA, I was, um, a production assistant on that shoot. So, um, yeah, that is
0: unreal. fantastic organization. Um, me in high school I watched every episode of
1: that. <laughs> well I'm glad um yeah it's I mean it's a fantastic organization I was definitely also already a fan and was watching the Lissy Bennett diaries by the time I um kind of applied for an internship with them and figured that out so um yes it was a fantastic fantastic organization and I um they were a great place to work and I also right I think the thing that. Uh, at the time, I didn't realize, but something that became increasingly important to me, I, kind of I learned from subsequent experiences is that in that experience, um I was I got to be involved in an organization where they exposed me to every possible. Facet of the organization where I was doing because it was such a small scale operation. There was like seven people total who were a part of Pemberley Digital, right? And several of them were kind of part time in and out sort of people, right? And so anytime there was something that needed to be done, it was like all hands on deck. You were trying new things. You were, you know, whatever, right? There's a um, there's a famous episode um, in like the end of Emma where she like drops all of these, an and end of Emma approved where she drops all these paper cranes. And literally for like three days, all we were doing was like making paper cranes because we needed to have a, a certain number um, that was like symbolic. Um, and so I think because of that, I, I didn't realize it at the time, but one of the things that became really important to me in seeking out um, kind of future experiences was that I wanted to be able to like have a genuine understanding of, the organization that I was a part of and also be able to kind of have exposure to as many parts of the organization as possible. Um, and so I think I got very lucky that my kind of first summer out of college, I had this experience where I was, you know, subtitling various episodes before we posted them. I was being a production assistant while we were shooting. I was, you know, reading through various scripts of things and editing and, you you know, doing all kinds of different things within this small scale operation. Um, And so that was something that I think for me, right, became at the time, wasn't something that I really put together, but became important to me kind of as I move forward in my career, where I could look back and say, this is an experience that was really meaningful to me. And why was it an experience that I enjoyed so much? And then kind of realize, okay, these are the things that I want to recreate in future work environments.
0: Um, No, I agree. I think it's really important to make sure you try to have internships in as many companies of different sizes um, as possible. So that you get both that like tiny startup do-it-yourself attitude and like being part of a much larger um, corporation, if you can manage it, it's like one of the most valuable experiences I think you can get,
1: yeah. And it's definitely, I mean, I think again, it wasn't something that I necessarily recognized in that moment. And that's also something to be aware of, like like that's okay, right? I think in college there's a lot of pressure to be like, I have this internship and it's going to set me up for the rest of my life. And that's not really the case, um necessarily, depending on what fields you were interested in going into. That's not necessarily going to be the case. And that's okay. And I think part of my summer internship experiences was kind of figuring out how to kind of collect information about what worked for me from every different experience. Um, And definitely, right, I think Pemberley was an experience where it was very, very small scale. And then, you know, on the converse of that, my junior summer, I worked for Paramount Pictures and was an intern in kind of the studio system of Los Angeles, which is very much a large-scale corporation where you are kind of a cog in a machine. Um, And it was, for me, in a lot of ways, a very difficult experience because I felt like I wasn't necessarily getting the experience that I kind of wanted to be sort of hands-on and kind of actually being exposed to as many things within the organization as I would have liked. Um, But that said, right. I think again, right. In that process kind of taught me a lot about myself and the kinds of work environments that work for me. And so even when you have internships experiences that are not what you want them to be, I think the really important thing is to be able to then step back and kind of take that information and be like, okay, what were the things that weren't working for me and what were the things that were, and how do I make sure that the choices that I make keep these things in mind? Um, and so those were kind of two of my work experiences in summer, um, things. And then the summer in between, I wanted to spend a summer in Chicago because it's a very different city, um, in the summertime. So I wanted to spend a summer in Chicago. I worked for the admissions office and I also worked for the cultural historian of the city of Chicago, um, it is actually the only city in the United States who has one. Um, he's a very, very cool guy. Um, his name is Tim Samuelson. He works at the cultural center, um, in downtown Chicago, and he puts on these very cool exhibits. exhibits and basically I worked for him in kind of in a research search kind of capacity, um, basically sorting through various materials that he had and kind of archiving and logging things and organizing resources. Um, and so yeah, those were kind of my summer internship experiences, um, prior to graduation.
0: Yeah. So, um, fourth year Mm -hmm. rolls around, um, and you need to get a job now. It sounded like you had, I mean, especially paramount, right? Like a huge internship that summer. Um, and then Mm -hmm. you were having
1: a a different, a different trajectory. So slightly. Uh Yeah. Yeah. So Honestly, I mean, so senior year spent a lot of time writing a thesis. Um, the U Chicago history major, at least um, until until the year after I graduated, um, required that you write a history, a thesis. Um, so most of my senior year was spent researching um and writing my thesis. Um and truthfully, I think my decision was in large part um kind of made by the situation that our country fell into. Um, I think you know, November 8th came around and, you know, the country that we maybe hoped we were living in was exposed to be not actually the country that we were living in, right? And I think um, I just kind of had to take personal stock and realize that the the thing about film, and I, I love movies and I love production, and that's not something that's necessarily changed. Um, but I think the realization that I made was, you know, there were two kind of traths tracks, tracks, slash paths, um, of life that I was looking into. One of them was film, obviously. Um, and the other was actually teaching. It had kind of always sort of been teaching. Um, I was involved in, there's a, uh, the University of Chicago career advancement office it has these, um, kind of career based programs that you apply into. Um, and I was a part of Chicago career careers in education, um, because, again, right. Like learning and kind of schooling was such an important part of my life that I felt like, you know, this was something that I enjoyed and kind of wanted to sort of figure that out. Um, and I, you know, and I will say, right. Um, the, the kind of man who is the helm of U Chicago careers and education is fantastic. His name is Andy. And he, the number of conversations that I had with Andy over the course of senior year, trying to be like, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do with my life. Like what's going on, Andy, just like help me. And the great, honestly, my regardless of whether you're at UChicago, uh, whether or not you know Andy, right? One of the things that I found most helpful in kind of figuring out my career trajectory was actually having a sounding board, um, having a person who was there to basically just talk to me about it and wasn't trying to weigh in on either side. I think um, sometimes you know, it's, it's complicated because right. You're a person who goes to an elite institution and there's an expectation about what your, let's say your monetary income, um, is going to be coming out of this institution or what fields you're supposed to go into. Um, you know, at the university of Chicago, there's a ton of people who go into banking, who go into consulting, who go into various fields like that. Um, and those were never really the things that I was looking at. Um, and I don't. I don't think that there was necessarily like pressure from my parents to go either way. But I think that when you have a conversation with your parents, it's a different kind of thing because they are people who 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 are worried about your best interests, right? And want to make sure that you're going to be financially stable and you're going to be, you know, living in um, you know, a stable environment, et cetera, et cetera, right? They have kind of parental worries that it's really nice to actually have a sounding board of a person who is a. Uh, effectively, um, a mentor figure who's not weighing in on either side, who's not a peer, who's also kind of struggling with the same, um, what do I do after graduation? Um, so that was something that I found super helpful was to have someone to just kind of talk it back and forth with because when I ultimately decided that I could spend, you know, the next four or five years working in film and basically um kind of the film industry is very hierarchical right it's a lot about you got to pay your dues and put in the hours to then get to where you want to be right and so i basically had the realization that i could spend you know four or five years working to where i wanted to be in film or i could spend four or five years at a time when i felt like there was a lot of kind of toxic things happening in our country doing something that was kind of positive and put a little kind of positive energy back in the world and doing something that I felt like was important. Um, And so I decided that I was going to teach for the next four years Um, and basically was looking into various kind of teaching programs and or not necessarily for the next four years, but I decided that I wanted to pursue teaching, um, at least for the time being. Um, and I kind of found a program called Urban Teachers, which was... Um, founded in Baltimore, expanded to D.C. and Dallas-Fort Worth, um, and is basically a program um, that is designed to address um, educational kind of inequities. Um, And so it's a program that's designed to basically create good teachers who are going to serve um, urban environments that are usually the environments that have the highest rates of teacher turnover, that have um, kind of the lowest kind of... like typically have kind of the lowest test scores and things like that. Um, They have the lowest amount of resources. These are communities that cities often write off as unable to achieve. um, And that's 110% not true. Um, And so I decided that I wanted to pursue teaching and I wanted to pursue teaching um, in kind of communities that needed good teachers because I felt very fortunate for the education that I had received, that I had educators every step of the way who were like, you can do so many different things and you can try all these different things and we support you. Um, and kind of that experience um, and that exposure to kind of learning and the love of learning really drove a lot of who I was um, and still am, right? Drove me to attend a um, you know a, an elite college institution and drove me to kind of continue to learn and to, you know, write my own thesis, which is like a crazy thing that I, you know, I don't know that I would have thought about doing in high school or, um, but you know, at the time it, it was like, Oh, right. This is what I do. Um, and I think, yeah, so I, I felt very grateful for the kind of resources and the people, the educators who had been so profoundly influential in my own life. And I felt like I could, spend four or five years getting to where I wanted to be eventually in film. Um, Or I could spend the next couple of years teaching and hopefully kind of putting some positive energy back in the world um, at a time when, you know, a lot of our kind of politics is toxic and is especially um, looks down upon kind of children and these communities that are kind of urban low income, um, communities. So that's,
0: yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, and it's a really interesting transition because I think a lot of people felt like they, um, I mean, I know I did like had a moment where I was like, what am I doing? Like (laughs) in the middle of like, where do I live? What is going on and how do I move forward? Um, and, like, I mean, personally, because I'm an econ major, right, am I going to choose to work in, for a nonprofit organization or am I going to choose to, um, right, go into finance or, mm-hmm. you know, is there a happy medium in trying to find something else? I think that's something that
1: yeah, a lot of absolutely. people I mean, I think, right, the reality is I think in that moment, a lot of people I know, we were all like, oh, my God, I need to go work for Planned Parenthood, right? You were like, I got to do something, <laughs> Um, and I think part of the realization that I had to have was, like, A, I don't have the skill set for that. And, like, that's okay, right? And mm-hmm. I think part of, um, part of kind of my transition to, like, being an independent adult is I realized that, like, one of the ways that I, you know, I wasn't going to be able to work for Planned Parenthood. I wasn't going to be able to work for the ACLU, right? These were not things that were like realistic in my life. And even though I wanted to make sure that these kind of organizations continue to survive and thrive. And so, you know, what that looked like for me at the time is I was like, you know what? I'm gonna commit to, you know, donating $25 to each of the organizations that I think is really important every year. And that's how I'm gonna kind of look at that. And I I had to kind of take stock of like what are the things that I'm good at? Oh, like I really like, you know, I have a background in arts education. Right. Um, I also, oh, that was another thing I forgot, but I did. I worked for an arts, um, an art camp of sorts um, in Los Angeles the same summer that I worked for um, Pemberley Digital. And so I have a background in arts education. I really like kids um, and I love learning. So to me, that kind of fit together. And I was like, okay, maybe this is something that I can do that works for me. Um, But that being said, you know, I I recently had lunch with a friend who works um, for a big, a large consulting firm and he works for their nonprofit wing. And that was kind of the way that he figured out how to reconcile what are kind of these dichotomies and kind of push pulls of his life where he was like, you know, I I'm doing this to kind of make enough money to then go to law school or whatever it is that he wants to do. Um, and he was like, I, I, I need to go into consulting cause I want to make this amount of money and I'm good at it, but I also don't, I want to make sure that I'm doing it in a kind of conscious way. Um,
0: so No, absolutely. It's a really, really interesting thing. And um, I think something that a lot of students are looking at reframing their path around. Um, I know I'm part of an organization on campus um, called Students for Social Impact um, mm-hmm. that basically takes uh, econ majors and like math heavy um, students and tries to f- figure out like what can we do feasibly in the next few years, right out of college, um, whether we are at a big bank or trying to find a compromise between these different um, desires. It's a really cool, I mean, in theory, once we get it going, um, <laughs> it should be a really, really cool thing. Yeah. Um, yeah um, happening. Um, could you speak a little bit more about your, Current job and what it's like trying to balance both because you're in a master's program and you're teaching full-time. Um, yes. um yeah.
1: so basically I'm in a program called Urban Teachers, um, which basically through the program I'm getting a master's in education in education um from Johns Hopkins. Um, and so I take night classes, um, and I'm also a pre-kindergarten teacher at a charter school. Um, in the Southeast of DC. Um, And I basically spend all day teaching pre-K from 7.30 to 4.30. And then I drive um, an hour um, to a kind of DC high school where we then take grad school classes four days a week. Um, And yeah, it's, it's a lot. Um, And I think, you know, um, the kind of grad school versus College mentality is a very interesting thing, um, and I think it's also it's an interesting thing to to go to a school um, right when you when you go to a school like the University of Chicago, it's a it's to some extent it's a self-selecting kind of school, right? A lot of people, for the most part, people have chosen it because they want to learn, because they're excited about learning, because they're passionate about whatever particular subject it is, whether it's math, whether it's economics, whether it's history, whether it's you know whatever. Um, there are people who are, who want to kind of engage in kind of the, those sorts of dialogues. Um, and it's interesting to then join a program where you're, where then I was kind of taken from that mentality where people want to have kind of the intellectual debates to then a grad school environment where you're having those conversations. But this particular grad school was also very much rooted in the practical knowledge of like, let's talk about like what's going on in my classroom right now. And let's talk about the ways in which I need help to address what's going on. Or I'm not sure how to best support my students in this situation. Like, what can I be doing to make sure that they're getting what they need? Um, and so it's a very interesting sort of um, piggyback, um, I guess I would say. And what I will say, like advice for people who end up going into grad school. Um, one of the things that was most, um, I would say, is was most significant to me was I actually... Took a quarter off my last quarter of college. I had enough credits to graduate. All I needed to do was turn in my thesis. And so I didn't take any classes my senior spring. And my program started in June. End of June, my program started. I moved to Washington, D.C. I started teaching summer school and taking grad classes. Um, and I know a lot of people in who, who were in my program who basically came straight out of college and went right into this program. And what I will say is if you are considering grad school, um, great. Um, You know, higher education is a great thing. Um, What I will say is be very conscious of the fact that the burnout after four years of college and of working really hard for four years of college is real. And that a lot of the people that I know who joined our program straight out of college ended up taking leaves of absences or deciding to kind of remove themselves from the program and come back next year. Um, because it's a lot to then jump into another educational environment where you're in it and, and particularly our program where I am both teaching full time and being a grad student full time. Um, so I think that's something to be aware of, um, with kind of jobs and considerations coming out of college. If, grad school is a thing that's important to you, um, 100% would recommend doing it, um, but would just say, be aware of what you need um, and be aware that it's, you know, grad school is still going to be there, right? If you decide that you want to go to XYZ graduate program, maybe you don't want to do it right out of college. Maybe you want to wait a couple years and then do it um, or whatever works for you, um, but It is something that I was very grateful that I'd taken the time to basically take a quarter where I wasn't taking class. I was just hanging out, working at the Hyde Park Arts Center, which was a blast always because they're fantastic. Um, And just kind of living in Chicago, but not stressing kind of coursework and things to turn in and due dates and assignments. Um, Because then basically come June, I was back in that environment again where I had assignments and reading and you know, various things that I was doing. Um, so yeah.
0: Yeah. That's like, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and that's great advice. Definitely taking a break is so important, um, for everyone like but I think I hear similar things, not just about grad school, but about people graduating in like May or June and then immediately starting their jobs. Um, and not like, having a couple seconds to take a breather, um, even if it's just a week at home Mm -hmm. before you're like moving your life across the country or across the world in many cases. um, Mm -hmm. Right. And trying to balance that um, as like four years of college is hard. (laughs) Now, um, at the end of all of our episodes, um, we asked the same question. Um, how did you live your 25th hour lifestyle this week? Um, so your 25th hour lifestyle is like the moment in your week or recently that you felt like, despite, um, all the things in your life that you're trying to balance, uh, your social life, your work, um, wellness, like you had it control under control. Um, and you were like more than under control. You were living your best life.
1: Um, so this week is actually spring break, so I am not teaching, um, which is nice to take a breather and kind of take some time for myself. Um, but in terms of kind of living my 25th hour lifestyle, um, I would say honestly, like being a teacher and being a grad student at the same time, it's you're juggling a lot of things all the time because I need to be doing grad school assignments. I need to be writing lesson plans so that I can teach and kind of make sure that my kids are getting everything that they need. Um, And I guess kind of one of my 25th um, hour lifestyle moments this week um, was you know, I, part of what I do, um, as a pre-kindergarten teacher is I spend a lot of time teaching kids their letters. And some of my kids know all of their letters. My kids are all four and five. Um, and some of them know all their letters. Some of them know only a handful. Um, and kind of my job is to make sure that I kind of close that gap, um, by the end of this year. And, um, one of the things that kind of made me really excited, um, last week is we, um, Kind of spent a really long time studying the letter M, um, with some of my kids who are kids who kind of still are kids who know uh, fewer letters than others. Um, and I was really excited because we just went into right as a kind of educator. One of the things that you do is periodically um, kind of test your kids to make sure that they're on track with where they should be and kind of just get a sense of you know what growth they've made. Um, kind of thus far in the year Um, and so in doing so um for kind of a letter identification purpose um I was really excited because several of my kids who are the kids who um kind of came in with less letter knowledge have now mastered the letter m and are crushing it identifying the letter m um and so that's something that as a teacher is like a really great thing to see Um, and so that's a moment where it's you know the reality is I think I have to recognize that kind of the things that I do and the crazy lifestyle that I lead ultimately it all comes back to kind of doing what's best for my kids and for my students. Um, and so kind of, yes, I juggle all of these different things, but like, yes, um, my students were able to recognize the letter M and that's why I do it. Right. And that's kind of what it all comes back to is that like, yeah, like i I'm there, you know, these are things, these are, kind of things that they're learning that stick with them for the rest of their lives. Um, and so it seems, it may seem like a little thing, um, but kind of in teaching and teaching life, those are the things that, um, stick with you.
0: So. Yeah, that's absolutely incredible. that um, it really is something that simple is such a huge, uh, achievement and very, very exciting. Um, okay. So, that is, those are all the questions I have for you today. Uh, thank you so, so much. Um, this, I think you have like a really, really unique um, path. And I was so excited to hear about it. And I think our listeners will too, because um, I learned a lot. Well, um,
1: I'm, I don't, I mean, I'm, I feel like I do a lot of just blathering on about all kinds of things, but I'm glad. <laughs> uh, the reality is, you know what, if my kind of convoluted life path can help anyone else in their So,
0: we hope you enjoyed our show today thanks again to Maya for sharing her story if you want to hear more incredible stories from women just like you please subscribe to get this girl a job now a request for you Katie and I want to answer all your questions about college, internships, and other professional opportunities. Just follow the link in the description below. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.